you are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On. Locked On. Locked, locked, locked on. Locked, locked, locked on. Locked on Cowboys. Welcome back to the Locked on Cowboys podcast. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today, as always, is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast, Landon, how is it going, sir? It's good. Uh, we have a bye week this week, which is nice to just kind of take a breath and figure out what's happened this season. It's been a very crazy season. We've kind of taken it all on, um, and and now it's it's we've been given a, a a moment's reprieve to kind of digest it, decipher it. I, I don't even know. It's it's so much information. I think we kind of have to sort through it. Yeah, so the Cowboys have a bye week here in week 10. Uh, It's always nice to have one of these. You get to kind of sit down and refresh and look back at the first half of the season uh, and start getting excited for the second half. Uh, The Cowboys have seven games left in the season. I know this season hasn't gone, you know, the way that we anticipated or that many other Cowboy fans have anticipated. But there's there's still a lot to take away from this year. There's a lot to watch out for. We're going to talk about that today a little bit. Uh, but Landon, let's go ahead and start with some midseason awards. Uh, most of these are going to be positive. So if you're looking for some Cowboys news, uh, we've got you covered. So let's go ahead and start with the Cowboys offensive MVP uh, halfway through, through the, the first uh, eight games, nine games of the season. Who do you got? This may seem a little unconventional, uh, but the season has been extremely unconventional. I have Zach Martin as my offensive MVP. So do I. I'm glad that you said that. He's been <laughs> the best player. That's just what it is. I, I mean, I think I think that part is probably uh, not arguable. I mean, frankly, as far as you know, starting start to finish in the season, who's the best player? Uh, Zach Martin has been a rock in a position that has been a, a wash in in all types of new faces, new configurations, uh, people starting in positions they had never played before, uh, and even Zach Martin himself at different times uh, stepping over to right tackle uh, and and doing so with a plum and looking mm-hmm. like a uh, an all pro tackle as well as an all all pro guard. Uh, it, it's been. Uh, an incredibly impressive feat, and I think it's one thing that you know it's it's easy to overlook when there's so much terrible stuff happening and, and so much terrible play you know, on the offensive line specifically because of all the injuries and, and replacements at the positions. But I think that Zach Martin's steadiness there and his ability to continue to dominate at guard, obviously, but also to just step out without any issues and, and look like a complete natural at tackle as well. Mm. That's just incredibly impressive, and, and it's something that I, I thought, you know, in, in, a, in a season of, of really just a lot of bad news, Zach Martin is it always delivers. And, and, and it's, you know, of, of all the players on the team that, you know, you can rely on to, to, to consistently put up good performance, Zach Martin has always been the right. steadiest rock on this team, and, and I think this year he deserves the, the award and, and, and the accolades that go with it. Yeah, he's going to be a Pro Bowler again this year. Frankly, he probably should be an All-Pro. We'll see if if he gets those votes. That's not always something you can rely on. But, I I mean, we know he's getting, going through some injuries. He had a scary yeah. stinger earlier in the season. He had a concussion. Uh, 
But the Cowboys have really needed him, you know, playing an undrafted free agent at uh, right tackle and Terrence Steele. Uh, th- three different combinations at center now with starting at Joe Looney and then Tyler Biotish and then back to Joe Looney. Uh, he's just had chaos all around him to go out there and continue to be just an absolutely dominant player. Uh, it's great to see, and uh, I think he's an easy choice. I, I, I did I did actually think about putting CeeDee Lamb in there because he's been – you know, arguably their best weapon. He's been the most efficient. But I think overall, Zach Martin's been the best player. Uh, what about on defense? Who who has been the defensive MB, MVP on the, what, 32nd, 31st ranked defense in the NFL? I mean, it's got to go to DeMarcus Law as far as I'm concerned. I mean, he's uh, DeMarcus Lawrence. I, D-Law. I, I got caught between D-Law right, and DeMarcus good. Lawrence. And, you know, I think no matter what you call him, uh, he's been a dominant player. And, and even at times, you know, he's, he's been dealing with a knee injury uh, and dealing with, you know, a, a little bit of – of the numbers at least not showing up. I mean, I think he only has one sack on the season, if I'm if I remember correctly. But he has been uh, a force. He has been uh, affecting plays. He has been a dominant player in the run game when basically he was the only player worth worth the damn playing run defense. And so I think that you know his ability to continue to show up, to play through injury, uh, be a steady force on the defensive line. When I mean, like I said, there's been not a lot else there. No. consistent uh I, I think is it shows you again you know why you know again his sack numbers aren't what we want them to be his his, his his pressures aren't there what what i think everyone expects but he has consistently played like a dominant player and despite it, it, you know no matter how the other players are playing around him he is always showing up always giving good effort and as as consistently put offenses in binds uh when he's been playing well yeah, he's pro football focus, his third-ranked edge defender right now, despite getting only one sack. Again, if you're just looking at the, the box numbers or the box stats, uh, you might be a little disappointed, but as soon as you turn on that tape, uh, you realize that he's the same dominant player that he was even a few years ago. The sack totals just aren't there, but he's finding ways uh, to impact the game. We saw it against Pittsburgh. I mean, just an, an absolute game wrecker. He's somebody that you can count on every week with his hustle. Uh, that, that's one thing you never have to question about him is the effort, uh, hustle, the, the, the ability to fight through injuries. I mean... Lane, we watched the tape. It's pretty clear that he's still dealing with some kind of lower body injury, but he's out there every single game, gutting it out. It's still finding ways uh, to be productive. Um, Demarcus Lawrence is the type of guy you can build a defense around, correct? Yeah, and I, just to give a note, I, I said one sack. He has three sacks on the season, but but I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think even with those numbers, I mean, uh, you know, you look at he is the kind of player you build a defense around. And I think that you look at uh, um, Alden Smith and, and some of the success he had at early points. I mm-hmm. think you look at uh, some of the the, the pressures and, and, and sacks that other players in this team have gotten. Uh, a high number of those were were caused by uh, pressure that was it, it's you know started by, by by play that Demarcus Lawrence you know he was the spark that that really caused uh, uh, the disruption that may have led to the chaos that led to the sack and, and I think that he has been that disruptive force uh, that has kind of been you know as they say that the straw that stirs the drink for this defense when the when the drink's been stirred I mean the problem yeah. is is that you know he, he, he you can't be a one-man wrecking force uh, uh, by yourself on a defense that's got a lot of holes so it's been it's been tough to kind of celebrate him 
when the defense has been so bad, but he has been very reliable when healthy. Yeah, so last year he was number one in ESPN sacks created stat, which is you know forcing a press pressure and then letting someone else clean it up. It's partly the reason why Robert Quinn got paid so much yeah. this offseason, right? He was constantly single-teamed, and Lawrence was creating the pressure into the arms of Robert Quinn, who's at the top of that leaderboard again this year. It's Demarcus Lawrence. I believe it's three and a half sacks he's already created through nine games. Uh, he's just he, he's a force, and he's a great leader for this defense. Uh, I think again, being able to play through injuries and still being able able to produce is what makes him such a special player. Um, let's go ahead and move on to our our rookie of the year now. Uh, we can do this one of two ways, Landon. I'll, I'm going to leave this up to you. We can just do who's been the best rookie, which I think will come to the same conclusion here in a second. Or we can do it the best rookie based off expectations, because I think that might actually change the answer a little bit. Uh, let's just start with this. Who was the best rookie of this class so far for the Cowboys? Well, I mean, the, the unsurprising answer here is CeeDee Lamb. He's mm. been fantastic. Uh, he stepped right in from day one and has been an impressive player on you know throughout training camp from the reports that we got and through uh, you know what little offseason they had. You know, for a wide receiver to be able to step in and produce the way he has, you know, without a without a preseason, without a real training camp. Uh, and he isn't the only one out of this class to do that. I just think it's been uh, really impressive how some of these top-end wide receivers uh, to come out of college in the last few years have been able to just step right in, find, seamlessly find a way mm-hmm. into the offense. And, and, you know, not just in kind of a, a Cordell Patterson sort of deployment. You know, he's not he's They're not, not force-feeding him touches or anything like that. Yeah. They're coming in no, the flow of the offense. Exactly. He's running routes. He's getting open. He's finding, you know, holes in the zone. He's 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 doing the things of a full wide receiver like he's been a seasoned vet for years. Mm -hmm. And and for him to kind of come onto this team and, uh, and and make himself basically the number two target on this offense. Uh, and some and, games and even number one. You know, when absolutely. Dak Prescott was here earlier in the season, there was a lot of games where he was the number one option because he just got. I mean, he's in the middle of the field and he's wide open all the time. Yeah, and I think you know he's he he certainly was put in a position to eat a bunch of targets. You know, because there was going to be a lot of attention on the other guys around him. Uh, but for him to come in and to be as efficient as he has been with those targets, and then obviously because of that, uh, uh, you know, kind of called for more targets for him. And, and, you know, I think, and then for him to convert the, those the way he has, uh, he's just been a, a real revelation. I cannot wait to see this kid's career unfold. I mean, for him to be this good this early is just phenomenal news for the Cowboys in the future. I'm going to give you two quick stats on CeeDee Lamb this year. Uh, him and DK Metcalf of the Seattle Seahawks have the most receptions of 20 yards in the air. So he's making plays down the field. Uh, both of those guys have at least nine receptions, uh, 20 yards in the air. And CeeDee Lamb leads all receivers in slot yards this year. Uh, typically, it's it's hard for receivers to come into the NFL and find success out of the slot right away because there's just so much happening. You have to worry about the safeties coming down and hitting you as you're catching passes. Uh, you got to be able to create quick separation. Uh, he's doing that, and he's absolutely excelling. Uh, but again, let's let's flip this around. If I if I was to ask you about which rookie is playing better than we expected, uh, who would you choose then? Yeah, I mean, I think 
you know, before he got hurt, Diggs would obviously be on that list. I think. I, I mean, I, I, I wasn't really sure what to expect with Diggs being kind of thrown to the wolves in this situation. As, well, we kind of thought it would be a high variance thing. Like, I don't know what we've seen over the last couple yeah. of weeks, right? Where you'd see, you know, the interceptions and the pass deflections, but he probably was going to give up a lot of yardage just because he's still getting used to the speed of the NFL. Yeah, and I think you know, I think he's he's you know certainly on that on that list because I do feel like he has sort of uh, raised the floor a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think if we're talking about versus expectations, I mean that's the key, the operative phrase here. I think it's got to be Tyler Biotish. That's I mean, why I, I, have, I yep. think I think you know he comes in. Uh, and I think that, you know, we all wanted to see him compete for the starting center spot. When COVID uh, protocols got announced uh, in the shortened offseason, I think that obviously put a tamper in a lot of that. I mean, the ability to kind of come in and, and, and to take over such a uh, – uh, a heady position like center where you have to make line calls. You got to. Well, be let's also remember he he was injured kind of coming into this draft yeah. process as well. So he was dealing with that you know all off season long and then no preseason limited training camp reps. Uh, again, I didn't mean to interrupt, but considering no. considering all those things he had to go through for him to be come out there and play like a starting caliber center. Yeah, uh, that's been pretty fantastic. That's that's the thing I think you know it's it's not even just to be able to come out and do it but he's been playing at a high level I mean a high level for a rookie fourth round center you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying like and, and, and a high high enough level that I'm excited to see where he goes from so here I mean, he's doing things that are uh, not easy you know physically or or I think mentally you know and and, and I think one of the bright spots for this offense has been uh, it, probably the only bright spot that's been consistent I think since he's gotten in was the uh uh you know the the, the trio the interior trio uh working together and kind of congealing now of course that's kind of been put on hold obviously with his injury but i do think that you know just watching that interior trio working together so well just almost immediately was uh was really really heartening and i think a, a really great sign for things to come for 2021 and beyond now it doesn't sound like biage is going to miss too much time maybe another game or two uh, so we will get to see him back in the lineup. And again, I think you're right. Being able to watch, you know, Zach Martin, Tyler Biotish, Connor Williams, those three guys really gel over the next two months is, you know, it's something that we're going to be excited to watch uh, in a season where, uh, you know, it, it ha- things haven't always gone great. Um <laughs> All right, Layden, we need to get some some differing opinions here because, you know, we talked about this pre-show, but we didn't give our answers. So uh, I'm curious to see what your answer here is on this one. Uh, what about most improved player this season? Well, why don't we flip this around, Marcus, because I actually have two of these guys. Okay. So maybe maybe you'll pick one and that'll be a process of, of, of disqualification for me. Yeah, so for me, it's Dalton Schultz because going mm, into... He was one of my two. Yeah, so there you go. We're on the same. It's almost like we do a daily yeah. podcast together. Yeah, almost. <laughs> right, right? Uh, you know, I, I think going into the season, there were some questions about Dalton Schultz and, you know, how was he going to develop as a tight end too? Maybe last year was a little disappointing in some areas of his game. Uh, but once Blake Jarwin got hurt in week one against the Rams, uh, Schultz was expected to be that next tight end one and step up and fill his spot. And uh, he's done so, you know, admirably. You know, he's somebody who is now on pace for uh, like 750 yards uh, despite playing with four different quarterbacks. Uh, he's had some big plays actually get taken back for penalties, so there could have been even bigger games. Yeah. I thought he's improved as a run blocker as well. Uh, he's made some incredibly tough catches. 
Uh, I, I don't think he's necessarily a high-end starter at tight end, uh, but I think he's a, a good starter. And when this team gets Blake Jarwin back next season, I'm really excited about that duo. I, I just think Schultz and Jarwin are, are good players, and you can certainly design a fun offense around them. Uh, who did you have other than Schultz? And please speak on Schultz if you'd like. Uh, I mean, I think you covered Schultz really well, and I think you know the, the I'm I've been a big Schultz fan since he got drafted, uh, and this is kind of where I had hoped he would develop to. Now I didn't know that he would be a player that's going to be approaching seven seven hundred plus yards, uh, you know, as we project for the end of the season. Uh, but I, I thought that he could at least be a very, very good tight end, too. And I think that that's what you're going to see when uh, Blake Jarwin comes back next year is that he will be a very valuable tight end, yeah, too. I don't even uh, think tight end, two is fair. I think it's like a t- no. you know, 1A, 1B situation. 1A, 1B, for yeah. sure. I, I absolutely agree. I think I think Jarwin is probably still a more explosive player. But I think Schultz, with his versatility, and his, he is definitely a better blocker than Jarwin. And I think that uh, I think that that versatility will definitely be useful, and those, they'll get used in tandem. They'll get used alternatively too. I think th- those guys are going to be really fun next year to see how Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy deploy them because I do think their skill sets uh, match up well together. I agree. Um, so the other guy I had on the list was someone that I just I really wanted to make sure that his improvement didn't get lost in all of this, uh, and that's Tristan Hill. I, okay, I that's think a good that he one. Is a, he, he was a guy that that you know we all kind of. How do I say this? I, I, well, we were doing preseason watch lists, right? And we would go through the defensive tackles. Skip right over him, right? We 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 we, 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 we would include name, him yeah. because he's on the team. We knew he was going to be on the team, but you know he had done so little in his rookie season. Mm-hmm. A change of of coaching staff. It really felt like Tristan Hill was the guy who was going to be left out in the cold with the coaching change. Well, right? I, because, I I know that we did a, a preseason show. And we did our 53-man roster prediction, and we didn't even have him on there. Like, we thought there was a legit chance that he didn't even make this team. And and honestly, even looking back now, I I think that that was not an an illegitimate thing to say, just simply because he was not given any deference, you know, because of draft stock, because I I, I think this this is not the same group that drafted him. Uh, The coaching staff didn't know him coming in, you know, and, and I think that was really what our thought process was why he was kept around so long last year, uh, despite really never even making it to the active roster. So, I mean, we're talking about a guy who on a team last year that was desperate for defensive tackle uh, talent uh, was still wasn't fielding him. And, and, and now, you know, when he got injured at at that point of the season, he, he, again, he hadn't gotten any sacks at that point of the season, but he had put on a lot of pressures. He had mm-hmm. definitely gotten after the quarterback a bunch, a bunch. And he, I think that he was the best defensive tackle on the team when he got hurt. Without a doubt. Uh, and Without as, a doubt. And, 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 and through five games, he had played as well as any uh, uh, defensive tackle. And I think, you know, it, it, it bears out to it because if you look at his snap percentages, you know, he started out getting about 50% of the snaps. And by the time he got injured, uh, I think the game before in Cleveland, where he really, I thought, played fantastic, uh, he played 86% of the snaps. And so I, I think that shows you, like, what they thought they had in him, at least relative to, to – everything else on the team and I don't know if that's too much of a compliment right, at the time right. but you know I think we're going to talk about Neville Gallimore over the coming weeks because it does feel like he has started to really put it all together and, and, and maybe started to, to you know have a rise similar to what Hill went through but I don't want to forget that the, the progress that Tristan Hill made despite being you know honestly left out in the cold and forgotten being a forgotten man in Dallas he went in this offseason 
He got stronger. He got smarter. He got quicker. Uh, he got tougher. He took on. He's taking on blocks a lot better. Uh, and and he was a guy that uh, you know. He I think you see the attitude with him. I think he's earned that attitude. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that he. I, I love that he has that chip on his shoulder. And I hope he keeps it because I think he's playing uh, like a man possessed now. I mean, especially for what we expected coming into the year. Yeah, I think next year is going to be interesting to see how that rotation on the defensive line works out. If Gallimore can continue to improve like we saw last week, Tristan Hill has some explosiveness and is still a young player. Uh, Maybe they're not as far away on the defensive line as many people uh, anticipate. All right, got to be a little bit of a Debbie Downer now, Landon. Who has been the most disappointing player this season? I mean... I would be surprised if you picked somebody other than, than this, too. Well, actually, no, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I can think of another person that you picked. I picked on Terry Poe. Um, okay. I, I think I think that he was just uh, terrible. And, yeah, and really, really just, was. like, did did nothing for the team. Uh, was I mean, I, I think a lot of it was because of the, the COVID situation. He came in severely overweight. Uh, and I mean, Jerry played, Jones like, even called him basically fat, right? I mean, he said yeah, he, and, and he and didn't I, do his job I, over I, the offseason. I understand that he's supposed to be big. I understand that. Um, but he, you know, he just didn't look. I mean, I, I think I described it at one point as a guy standing in the middle of a football field with the jersey on. And that's what it looked like. It didn't look like he was playing football at all. No. It just looked like he was standing there with his jersey on. And he's so big that, it, I mean, it wasn't, he was not exactly easy to move. I think he had the highest he, double team rate in the NFL uh, before he yeah. was released. Well, because I mean, that's only because there's who else would you double team well, on this defense? That's a fair point, yeah, though. but I mean, like, I, I do think that Poe just he did absolutely less than zero. Uh, I mean, even for a nose tackle, who's supposed to take up space, you're supposed to do more than that, right? Uh, so I think for me, he, yeah, I mean, I, I can think of one or two other guys who I probably think would qualify for other reasons, and I think they may have better excuses. Uh, but the Don Terry Poe, I mean, this it was just a pathetic performance, to be honest. Yeah, that's a good one. So, I mean, you said you had the other guy who you thought I was going to name. Do you know? Who, do you know who I'm going to pick? I would say it's either Terrence Steele or Tyrone Crawford. No, uh, could or Jalen Smith. Yeah, Jalen Smith is a Jalen. It's, it's Jalen oh, Smith. Yeah, uh, Cowboys paid Jalen Smith a lot of money before the 2019 season. I uh, played like a you know he was a Pro Bowler in 2018. Uh, play was up and down last year. You were hoping with a change in scheme uh, that he would be better. Maybe that Mike Nolan would use him in a different way. It's really been the same as we saw last year. Uh, he has to wear the green dot, or he had to been wearing the green dot, which is you know calling in the plays uh, due to a Leighton Vander Esch injury, and that became a problem once again. Uh, he just hasn't been good. He's been really struggling in coverage. Uh, he hasn't been uh, you know gap sound, missing far too many tackles. Uh, you know one of the things that we talked about Jalen in, in the past was. Again, he's one of these high-variance linebackers, right? Like, yeah. you can live with the bad plays if you're making the splash plays, right? The, the tackles for a loss or the sacks or, uh, you know, the stuffs. Just doesn't seem like we're getting any of those this year. So uh, it's the negative plays are starting to show up more, uh, and it's harder to deal with them. So, I mean, again, we have seven games left. Let's hope that he, you know, starts to grasp the scheme a little bit better, starts to play better, that he gets, you know, maybe more solid linebacker play and defensive tackle play in front of him. Uh, but it's been a rough, or it's been a rough nine games for Jalen Smith. All right, Landon, how about best performance this year? What player has had the best single game that you've seen uh, so far? 
Well, I think <laughs> this is another you know one that was uh, difficult just simply because there hasn't been a lot of great performances for the Cowboys no. so far this year. Um, and and I, you know this is one that we actually did compare notes for beforehand. So uh, I I picked Trayvon Diggs versus Philadelphia. It's a good uh, one. His yeah. two interceptions, four pass deflections, uh, six six tackles. It was a coming out party for him, you know. And I think that he really showed what that what he's capable of mm-hmm. you know that's the kind of game that he is capable of uh when he's playing at his at his best as most locked in there was definitely some uh circumstance to some of those plays for sure as there always is on a football field uh but i think the difference here is that you can you can say what you want about luck or about uh happenstance or about you know the the, the oblong shape of the ball and that forces the ball to bounce a different way you still have to make the play when it arrives. And he did. He absolutely you st- did. You still got to catch the ball when it gets to you. And he does that. You know, he doesn't He doesn't let those plays uh, get past him. Or, I mean, he does, He has at different <laughs> points of the season. But he's but he's at least there, and he's, and he's making, you know, he's arriving at the same time as the ball. It feels like that he is accelerating the amount of times that it's a boom play versus a bust play. Uh, and I, to me, that's extremely exciting. Again, t- t- all tempered by the fact that he is also a, a player who is injured now, uh, which is you know kind of a story. If, isn't that the story of the season? That's the most disappointing uh, thing from this season is the injuries, right? Not even a yeah. single. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and honestly, when, when we were when you put most disappointing disappointing thing on here, I, I mean, I had up until we got on on the, the this call, I had injuries mm-hmm. as the answer. I mean, it, that's it's, that's it's, the it's, right it's, one. It, it really is. It's hard to say anything else. I mean, this is beyond you know, like like we said, this is way beyond injury regression. Right. You know, this is. I mean, and and, and I think it's happening a large to a large degree of teams across the league it's not just the cowboys no but the cowboys obviously have been hit as hard as anybody in the league so uh i i do think that you know going back to the original question trayvon Diggs in philly was really a great window into okay this is the kind of player this guy can be if if he develops correctly yeah his interception in the back of the end zone when he was able to get his knee down inbounds was just absolutely fantastic Uh, i'm gonna go with the deck performance week two against the atlanta falcons 468 yards, four touchdowns, a, a two-point conversion in that game. Uh, you know, just basically flawless in the second half. They got off to a really rough start. Uh, he actually had a fumble in that game. But uh, for him to, to battle back and to manage the clock late in that game uh, to give the Cowboys a chance to win it. Uh, also, shout-out to Greg Zerline for the, the watermelon kick. Uh, that certainly helped as well. But uh, 468 yards, four touchdowns, just a, an absolutely clutch uh, in his store performance from Dak Prescott. All right, that's, yeah, that's obviously the, that's obviously I was gonna say that's obviously the 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 full answer, the correct answer. Um, you know, his game against Atlanta was fantastic, and I think you know f- one thing that we haven't really discussed is is kind of getting the the monkey off his back from from uh, that horrible Adrian Claiborne game uh, the last time so, yeah, they played Atlanta. Absolutely. Um, all right, Landon. Our last thing before we head out, uh, we're gonna give the the listeners and the viewers some. Uh, some optimism over the the next seven weeks. Who is a player that is the most likely to to break out or to bust out the next uh, two months of the year? All right, I'm going to do this to you again because I've got two. So why don't you give me yours first and maybe there'll be a process of elimination. And if not, I'll give you two. Oh, man, I I have so many names. But um, I'm going to go with Connor Williams. 
I thought he played really well in the first half of the season. Again, so so many different things that have affected him between Tyron Smith being in and out of the lineup. Uh, Brandon Knight was over there. Now it's Cam Irving. Uh, center's changing. I thought he's played well. Uh, maybe if they can get some stability on that left side of the line, I think he's going to have a fantastic second half of the year. Uh, I, I've already thought he's been playing better in each and every week. Uh, I'm looking for Connor Williams to play the best football of his career uh, over these last seven games. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I mean, much for the reasons that we talked about with Zach Martin and why he was, you know, he deserves the kind of context that allowed his allowed him to be chosen as offensive MVP for us. Uh, I think Connor Williams has faced a lot of that same context, and uh, you know, he's not the all pro player that Zach Martin is. Uh, he didn't have the uh, the game against uh, Fletcher Cox that Zach Martin did. Uh, but I think, you know, for a young player who has dealt with his own injury issues at, at different points, this is a real uh, trial by fire for mm. him to become, you know, that, that, that tier of offensive linemen that the other guys on this offensive line have been before him that he hadn't quite got. Well, I also, I also want to mention, remember he tore his ACL very late in the 2019 season. So I actually expected him to look pretty rough to start this season. Absolutely. And it really hasn't been the case. I thought this is the best he's played. So I expect him to to take another uh, leap here uh, in the next few weeks. Absolutely. And my, I had two guys and I'll just briefly get through them. One of them is Francis Bernard. I mm. think that there's a chance that we might get to see a couple, some more snaps. I would love to see more Francis Bernard snaps I like that one. on defense. I think that that would be really great. And just you know, based on what he's done in training camp and at the college level on an incredibly, incredibly talented defense in which – on that incredibly talented defense in college, he was you know a main focus of. So mm-hmm. I think he has the talent level to play at this level. I think we should be giving him the chance. Every every step of the way, he has performed and stepped up to the level that he's played at the level that he's playing at, whether that be the college level or the NFL. So I, I want to see him take that next step. See if he can do it. And then Donovan Wilson. I think okay. that Donovan Wilson. I mean, if you look at what he has done. Um, just since he's been able to get into the starting lineup, I mean, he has two sacks. He has a whole bunch of tackles. Uh, I, I don't know that I'm, you know, trying to get him to be, uh, th- you know, definitely the full-time starting cent- uh, safety opposite of Xavier Woods. I do think it helps to have him rotated in. Mm-hmm. I don't like the other guys that they're rotating in right now. That's the problem. But I think that as far as a true replacement for Jeff Heath, for a third safety who gives you solid special teams ta- uh, okay. uh, snaps, I-, I think Donovan Wilson has been fantastic so far this season, uh, and-, and-, and I think Jeff Heath is a good is a good comparison there simply because he's a guy that you can play on defense and will make plays for you. But I think the longer you keep out there, the more you try to ask him the- to do, the more likely he will be to get exposed. I'm a little surprised you didn't say Randy Gregory, though, because that's when I was writing this down. I really thought that's who you're going to go with because I can totally envision right now Randy Gregory having like a game or two where it's like two and a half sacks, uh, two forced fumbles, and six pressures. Like, I, those, Greg, that Gregory's game's coming. Gregory's broken out. It's like, fair. That's it's, a, it's a fair I, I, point. I don't, Gregory's already a, a, a well, like, you know, we were basically calling Gregory a known quantity yeah, before, when, as soon as he got, you yeah, know. So this is none of this is surprising to me. This is. 
he's been doing this since he's been. Hey, just, just another reason to, to watch these games because Gregory is so much fun. We saw against Pittsburgh uh, his potential. Uh, just an absolute game record. Gave the Cowboys a chance to win that game in regulation. So uh, we get to watch Randy Gregory seven more times. That's, that's always exciting. That is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. You can download the Locked On Cowboys podcast on Apple Pod- Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Again, you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Cowboys. You can follow Landon at McCoolBCB. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. Enjoy the bye week, and we will see you next time.